It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. And athletics and all things local sports. Let's do it, buddy. What do we got on a Tuesday? The sport hole. Sports, 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 sports. Against the BYU defense. Shotgun snap. Hoover throws. Caught. Touchdown. Xavion Williams. All right, what do you think of the Big 12 uh, schedule release? Well, here's what I think about the Big 12 schedule release that came out today. The new Big 12, 16 teams. Utah can be the Clemson of the Big 12 now, right now, this year. TCU fell off a cliff last year. Utah's got the big boys coming back. I know some guys surprisingly went to the NFL for Utah, like Cole Bishop and others. You can be Clemson. And what I mean by Clemson is a few years ago, Clemson, when they were kind of the head and shoulders team above anybody else in the ACC, including Florida State. Um, I think Utah, their win total in Vegas will probably be nine and a half. And you go over because you go through their schedule. It is. Let's go through it, Larry. Um, let's do Utah's before BYU. So. Southern Utah, Baylor, both of those games at home. Baylor doesn't count as a conference game because it was scheduled before they were added to the Big 12 Conference. And they go to Logan to play at Utah State to take on the Pig Farmer at Maverick Stadium. And then they go at Oklahoma State and Stillwater. Maybe the only game they won't be favored in next year. Oklahoma State got good again last year, finished really strong. They won't be favored in that game. Then they get Arizona at home. All their hard games are at home. Fafita's back in those guys. I know Fish is gone, but they've got some of their players back. Arizona was really good last year. At Arizona State, home versus TCU at Houston, home versus BYU. They go to Folsom to take on Dion in Colorado. I think Colorado's going to be better next year, Larry. I think they're going to win eight games. Shadur Sanders, a little bit scary if they can get some linemen. They got Iowa State at Rice Cycles, and they finish at UCF. That's like 11 wins. Utah can win 11 games next year and easily win the Big 12 with all the hype coming back with Rising if he can stay healthy, which he can't. He cannot stay healthy. He's not going to. But just imagine if he could. They could win 11 games next year, Lawrence. So my takeaway for Utah is you're Clemson. You're, you're good Clemson. Your dad, your four or five years ago Clemson when Dabo cared next year in the Big 12. Let's go to BYU's schedule. BYU will be favored in total games next year, probably five, maybe six. They start uh, against Southern Illinois at home. That's their easiest game. They go at SMU. They go at Wyoming. That's the ugliest matchup next year for BYU. Have to go to Laramie. Last time they did it was 2009. They won by like 50 points. I know Wyoming has a new coach, and uh, it's always a tough place to play. Then they're home against Kansas State. Kansas State's good. They're at Baylor, always kind of a tough game, and then they get the bye. Home against Arizona, and and by the way, BYU and Utah were, were both treated well in that all of their hardest conference games they get at home. Except, B, except Utah for BYU. They've got to play at Utah. Everybody else, they get Kansas State at home. They get Arizona at home. They get Kansas at home. They get Oklahoma State at home. So versus Kansas State at Baylor by 
versus Arizona versus Oklahoma State at UCF by at Utah. Only difficult um, game they have to play on the road. At home against Kansas, they go to Tempe to take on Dillingham and the Fighting Dillinghams, and then home against Arizona. So I think I think it's good buy placement. That was one of the big complaints last year: is the buy was too early. This is you're getting your buy right before Utah and right before Arizona, so that works out well for for BYU. Um, when you look at the Big Twelve, I think that as far as scary quarterbacks next year, if you're thinking, you know, you're a Utah or BYU fan, I think Fafita's scary at Arizona. I think that K.J. Jefferson, who's going to be at UCF, the old Arkansas quarterback, who BYU went on the road and beat in Fayetteville this past year, K.J. Jefferson's still good. He'll be at UCF, but UCF sucks. You've got Garrett Green at West Virginia, who's good, who's a dual-threat guy, who's kind of scary to game plan against and try to beat. Um, But neither of them have to play West Virginia, right? I don't think BYU or Utah has to take on the Mountaineers next year. So they don't have to worry about Garrett Green. Um, Jalen Daniels is good if he's healthy at Kansas. He'll be back. Jaden Rashada at Arizona State. Highly accoladed guy that got hurt, only played like three games last year for the Sun Devils. So he's not super scary. Shadur at Colorado, who gets sacked 20 times a game. Not too scared by him. And then you look at uh, BYU's probable guy, Bohannon. I'm excited for Bohannon. And I, I was I was blowing smoke and rose-colored goggles all offseason about Slovis. Bohannon is Slovis. It's the same guy. Very similar resumes. They played at multiple schools. They kind of failed out at multiple schools. But Bohannon took Baylor to a, let's see, they play for the conference championship. Bohannon balled out as the backup starter got hurt. Bohannon came in and won him a bunch of games at Baylor. And then he went to a crappy program at USF. So I think that BYU and Bohannon is a is a great pairing because behind him, they're not sold on any of those other guys. And I respect BYU because they go and buy quarter or the in Slovis's case, they go and buy a quarterback. Bohannon, they probably had to pay him, what, 50 grand or something? I mean, he was probably pretty low on the market, but they go and get quarterbacks, Larry. That's my point. BYU respects the quarterback. Who's Utah gone and bought? Nobody. Um, scary coaches in the Big 12. Coaches that have been to a New Year's Six slash BCS game are Gundy. And Gundy ain't what Gundy used to be. He's Gundy's kind of the Great Plains Dabo. Kind of fallen off a little bit. Great personality. Doesn't necessarily completely embrace the new era of the NIL and portal stuff. But Gundy's been to a New Year's Six Bowl. Sonny Dykes has been to a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know how scary Dykes is. How do you go from go to the national title to sucking last year? Uh, Whittingham. Gus Malzahn, who's at UCF, I think went to the title with Auburn when they lost to Jameis. So there's a few. None. I mean, a lot of them are backsliders like Malzahn. He's, nobody's afraid of Gus Malzahn anymore. But he's got a little bit of pedigree. Same with Sonny Dykes. Matt Campbell gets a lot of uh, pub and accolades and stuff about people thinking he's great. I'm not convinced he's awesome at Iowa State. 
And and uh, aside from the coaches and the and the quarterbacks, you got the best commissioner in you got the best commissioner in sports. I mean, he's your mark is so much better than anybody else. Sankey's just sitting on he's he's the commissioner of the Yankees basically. You got Petiti at uh, in the Big Ten. Too early to tell if he's any good. He just kind of got scrap metal of the Pac-12 defaulted to him. And then you've got whoever the ACC guy is, who I can't uh, remember off the top of my head. Your mark's the man. Your mark is so good. Think of all the crap he did. As soon as he gets in, takes him a few months, he gets the ESPN Fox deal for the Big 12. He secures all this other marketing stuff and playing the games and big arenas and big events and international games. And he raids the Pac-12, all this stuff that we talked about all summer. Your Mark's the man. And he's just got endless energy and he's outspoken and he's challenging people. And that's the type of commissioner you want. You want that guy. He's a slick um, salesman. That's what you want. You want a commissioner who's that slick, who's that talkative, who talks a big game and just pedal to the metal all the time, doesn't seem to sleep, always caffeinated. That's your mark. So uh, Utah, who's a newcomer this year, should be thrilled to be uh, under his tutelage and under his uh, uh, leadership. Oh, and then one more thing, Larry, while we're talking about Big 12 football. Once again, that map was getting passed around about NFL players produced per capita by state. And you have all of these. It's a it's a color gradient map. Dark red means per capita you send a lot of NFL players. Light red means you don't. And so you've got all the deep south, dark red. And then out in the middle of the desert, amongst all of this light red, you've got dark Utah. And I've talked about it a lot, but per capita, Utah, the football talent that comes out of here, mini Texas, all that stuff is true when you look at maps like that. And we've got, you know, a bunch of uh, high school kids from Utah in the NFL playoffs this year, which we've talked a lot about. So very well. Very well done, Larry. Excellent job. Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. Two-minute drill presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. Here's Roberts, three-quarter court. He buried it, and it's good. All right, who is your 4A MVP to this point in the season in girls basketball? Well, it's Skinner, it's Hamlin. This is the Magic Bird. I got to update some of my references here. Let's do, not Magic Bird, let's do um, Judas Priest. Let's do... Kobe, Tracy McGrady. I mean, who is Kobe's big rival from like, oh, LeBron. Let's go pre-LeBron. Everything's about LeBron. Let's do Kobe in the West versus uh, AI in the in the East, maybe. Want to do that, Larry? Yes. It's not great. I know they're not, they don't usually get paired together. But that's what this is. This is a great... Uh, matchup between two, I think, still non-seniors. I know that Hamlin's a junior. I think Skinner's a junior as well. So let's go through the stats. Emily Skinner at Ridgeline. Ridgeline, by the way, who's beating teams by like 100. They're beating teams in their region by like 70 points. Bear River, they beat 83-9. to 
They were up 57-2 to at halftime in a region game. And I know a couple years ago, Ridgeline got in trouble for beating a team by, like, literally 100. And apparently, you don't get in trouble if you're only beating them by 70 or something. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, they beat they beat uh, Mountain Crest 73-18. to And it's not just they're in region schools. They beat Corner Canyon 75-34. to So this Ridgeline team won the title last year. It's the coach with the uh, neon green sparkle pants who's hanging on the rim, who is the uh, Kim Mulvaney, Coach Mulvaney, who used to be at Baylor, now is at LSU. Is that her name? Look that up, will you, Larry? Yes. That's who she is. A lot of colorful coach makes it fun. And everybody wants to beat Ridgeline really bad. Emily Skinner, 24 points a game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 46% from 3. She's made a bunch of them. Almost 50% from 3, 90% from the free throw line. Olivia Hamlin, 26.5 points a game, 4.6 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 steals, 26% from 3, 67% from a free throw. So maybe Emily Skinner is a slightly better shooter. Olivia Hamlin is probably a better athlete. Based on what I've seen, I mean, she's getting five steals a game. Her defense is amazing. And her trans, she just in transition all the time. Nobody can stay in front of her. So uh, it's awesome to have two talented guards playing at the same time in the same classification. I hope they square off against each other. I think... Um, Ridgeline lost to two schools, I think, from California. Snow Canyon's just got one loss. My region, or excuse me, my 4A MVP, Larry, to answer your question, is uh, Olivia Hamlin. To this point, still a lot of basketball left to be played. But she's fun to watch. We highlighted her last week with uh, Casey Winters, netsandafire.org, breaking down Olivia's game. Five steals a game, Larry. Who does that? It's amazing. This is Sport Hall Polytechnic State University. Attend class over the airwaves, earn credits, and graduate on your own time. Sport Hall Polytechnic State University. Take it away, Professor. Thank you. All right, welcome to class. Uh, Sport Hall Polytechnic State University uh, segment is brought to you by Navaj. And I've been getting a lot of... Uh, discussion about about BYU basketball and the horns down thing. That's why I led the show with it today, Larry. I know you've uh, you've been asking about it, talking about it, kind of controversial. Why did BYU kowtow to Texas's uh, self-importance with their stupid thing? So I thought we've got our own university, Sport Hole Polytechnic State University, which we do. We need to do this bit more, but basically we teach a topic once a month or so, and the listeners can get credits for it. They can redeem them for a certificate at the end of every semester. And so we're going to do it a little bit differently today, Larry, where we're going to say, you know, me and you are the chancellors of the university. And let's say our basketball team is playing a school and the school comes to us and says, hey, your student body has a sign that is offensive to us. Please take it down. Will we take it down as the as the provost of the school that we're talking? Do you understand what I'm saying, Larry? Yes. So 
we're basically putting ourselves in BYU's position. And would we take down the sign, or in this case, the shirts the students were wearing based on who were playing? Okay, so let's start with um, let's start with USC, Larry. So you, we're playing USC basketball. It's not a conference game. It's a money game for us. They're nice enough to play us. They're not. In fact, they're nice enough to come here and play us on our home floor. And we have students who have a sign that says OJ did it. <laughs> and their, you know, SID or something comes over and says, hey, man, we love to be here. We love playing you guys, but we're really trying to separate ourselves from, you know, this OJ Simpson stuff. It was like 40 years ago. And this is disrespectful to us as an institution. We're doing you a favor by playing. Will you please ask your students to take down the sign? Will we take it down, Larry? No. We're not taking it down, and here's why. OJ was 30 years ago. Everybody knows OJ did it. It's a joke. It's it's a joke that he's still out and about on Twitter uh, golfing every day. So, of course... We're going to make fun of USC and OJ doing it. We could also do something with Reggie Bush. Those are the two kind of low-hanging fruit there. We're going to go with OJ. And I'm going to say to my students at my school, don't you dare uh, put that sign away. OJ did it. Or if you're chanting that, that's hilarious. And we encourage that type of creativity at uh, Sport Hole Polytechnic. All right, let's go to the next school. Let's do Penn State. Same situation. In this case, we're playing Penn State. Our students have a sign that says Sandusky Lives. <laughs> Their SID comes up to us, Larry. Hey, we're really trying to separate ourselves from Sandusky. This is a this is offensive. He's in prison. This is nothing to scoff at. What do we do, Larry? Do we take it down? Yes. 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 I would say yeah. I, I can I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm going to tell my idiot students to take the sign down about Sandusky. We don't want to be thinking about Sandusky during a 40-minute basketball game. We're taking it down. We're reasonable people. No Sandusky. That's a rule at S-H-P-S-U. Thank you, Larry. Okay, now we're playing um, TCU, Larry, the the, uh, Horned Frogs. And our students have a sign out that says Horned Frogs down <laughs> and they're doing the the sign with their hands and they're flipping them they're flipping the frog upside down and here comes tcu's coach who is it still that one guy who coached at Pitt forever with the slick back darth vader hair he comes up and says hey that's that's a sacred symbol of our school how dare you students put it down what do we tell them larry do we let do we take the sign down larry no h no of course we're not and by the way, TCU wouldn't be offended by that, and they wouldn't dare to say not to do it because they have a sense of humor about themselves. And they would just be flattered that we knew their stupid torn frog sign with our hand. All right, let's do uh, let's do two more. We got Michigan. We're playing Michigan basketball. Our students are wearing or showing up a sign that says Ted Kaczynski wears maize and blue. <laughs> Are they taking it down, Larry? No. no. Okay, we're on the same page. No. no, we're not taking it down. The Unabomber, that happened a long time ago. It's kind of like Abraham Lincoln and Michael Scott saying, you know, Abraham Lincoln's assassination just became okay to make fun of. 
Um, I'm cool with uh, with Kaczynski jokes. All right, and then let's do one more. We're playing the Utah Utes, Larry. This is a big in-state rivalry for SHPSU. And uh, students have a sign that says, Ted Bundy's a Utah man, sir. He was right under your nose, they say. Are we asking them to take it down? Let's deliberate because obviously the Utes don't want anything to do with Ted Bundy. I think he was a student there for a while. Uh, Ted Bundy just became popular again with Netflix shows. Are we going to take it down? It's kind of like Sandusky to me. He's a uh, serial killer and all this stuff. I'm fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll take it down. We'll honor the Utes. We respect uh, Utah and their history. But the the horn horns down is a, a complete joke. And when you think about... Um, all the crap that BYU has to deal with when they go on the road where people have signs that say all sorts of, I mean, polygamy and soaking and all this other horrible uh, I'm talking about the soaking stuff. Inappropriate, Larry. That's much more inappropriate than anything else. They just deal with it. They go to Eugene, Oregon. They're saying blank the Mormons and all this stuff. BYU just says, head down, do the work. Head down, do the work. They don't whine. They don't complain. They don't write letters. They don't have a coach at the press conference saying, playing the victim about, oh, my gosh, can you believe what they said? And they should be punished and all this nonsense. They don't play the victim. They move on. Texas should be embarrassed. And I know that their coach came out and said, yeah, maybe I was too sensitive about it. But now I'm saying to BYU... For over, this is what the shower thought was about. For overcorrecting, for oversensitivizing your student section, that's on you, and that's why you were put in the boo box yesterday. Thank you, Larry. At Sport Hole Polytechnic, we're not maniacs. We won't let the students say anything, but we'll let them say most things, right, Larry? Thank you. Fans eye, please welcome one of Southern Utah's esteemed sports fans into the Sport Hole. All right, we've got uh, we got Carphone Carmine, right? Yes. All right, we like to get these uh, every once in a while. Uh, Punk ass Pete has gone MIA, so we go to Carmine, who's got to take about the Raiders, I think. Right, Larry? Go ahead when you're ready. All right, Sporty, I want to sound off on the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> for them even contemplating, even thinking about perhaps bringing in Chip Kelly. Are they crazy? Is that Jordy Pierce <laughs> already blowing it when all, for the Raiders of beloved silver and black? How are they even considering a guy who wants to move to Oregon that thoughts immediately what to with that you don't title without him? He goes to the ego, he drives everybody crazy, they force get out of Philly. He goes to UCLA, it's bad fights, the next seven, eight years had the Dudjack squacked. It doesn't matter how much to, uh, the recruiting numbers of his stars he is. He can't win the bin when he wins seven eight games a year westward. It's pathetic. And we already know ish think don't work in the National Football League. Don't fall for it, Raiders. Mark Davis, I know you're an idiot, but Antonio Pierce, no. please, for your first hire, don't let it be this guy. I'm out sporty. All right, thank you. I didn't understand most of that, Larry. But he's clearly against Chip Kelly being uh, coming to the to the Raiders yes. as the offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Chip Kelly fail as a head guy. 
but only when he didn't have a quarterback. When he had Vic for two years, he won 20 games in two years. He then had, he then had, uh, what's his name? Sam Bradford. And won like six games. They canned him. And then he went the very next year and coached Kaepernick. And they won two games. And maybe he doesn't get an excuse there because Kaepernick was was supposed to, excuse me, he was supposed to be like his perfect quarterback. And they were terrible. Um, and then he goes to UCLA and stinks. He hasn't won. He hasn't recruited great. It took him a million years to... I mean, he had DTR, an NFL five-star talent, on his roster for five years. took him five years to get him any good. So, I think... I don't think there's any magical plays, and I don't think... I mean, I think when Chip was at Oregon, he was running some magical stuff, and he had the personnel, and he was running for 300 yards a game, and he had great quarterbacks. He had what's-his-name Dixon, and he had, uh, who was the guy? Masoli, Jeremiah Masoli before Mariota was there, and some other guys who were really good, and he had great skill. DeAnthony Thomas and those guys who were just awesome. Those were some of the funnest college football teams ever. And so he had some magic stuff there, but I think, I think that the special sauce for Chip Kelly is kind of like Rich Rodriguez, and it's that they can run the ball. They spread and they can run it. I mean, when he was at Oregon, he was running for 300 yards a game for the Ducks. 300. I don't think you can run the ball in the NFL. I think every team runs for like, you know, 90 yards a game. And everybody just throws it 50 times a game. So I don't know if his system or whatever, is that can adapt to the NFL. But I don't know that there's a huge difference between him. If he's just a geek in the back room who's not going to be telling people what to do, if he's not the leader of the team, which I think he failed at in the NFL, then I think he'll be fine. Um, I think I think he wants out because I think there's an exodus of coaches in college football. All these guys want out. Same with college basketball. It's like, get me out of here. I don't want to do this. This is horrible. I have no power anymore. I got no nothing. I got to suck up to people to raise money so I can pay these bratty kids. Why would you? Why would they want to do it? He wants out. He wants to go be a coordinator and he wants to retire as a coordinator. And maybe if he wants to get a head job in the NFL, his only way to do it is to have success as a play caller in the NFL. Because it's it's not been good at UCLA. He hasn't won anything at UCLA with talented rosters. So if I'm him, I'm on now. Um, if he goes to the Raiders, who's going to be his quarterback? Um, but I would leave. I mean, I'd go anywhere. I think Seattle is thinking about him not as the head guy, obviously, but as the maybe a potential coordinator. So if I'm Chip Kelly, I would go. I go to the NFL, just like I said about Harbaugh. Get the heck out of college college football. You're not. It ain't what it used to be. It's not the job it used to be. You're not protected. So you may as well go to the NFL, not have to recruit and all that crap. Anything else about Chip? Ke- oh, what I was thinking about Chip Kelly is, um, why couldn't he, boy genius? Why couldn't he do? And I love the Chip Kelly story. 
But why couldn't he do in the six, seven years what Jed Fish did at Arizona in two years? Jed Fish came to Arizona, much worse program than UCLA, and boom, two years. Had a better season than Kelly ever had at UCLA. So no excuses for Chip in the in the collegiate ranks. You stink. Go to the pros. Um, I think that's it. Anything else on that one, Larry? Yes. Oh, you do? No. Oh, I was going to say. I'm trying to think of other college coaches that want to get the heck out. Like Cliff Kingsbury, he ain't coming back to the college game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Lincoln Riley, he gets offered something. Even, you know, it's hard after this down year that he just had. But all these guys would jump probably. Because the, being a college coach is just so exhausting and annoying. And you're treated like crap. By the admin, by the NCAA, by your players. It's hard to, it's hard to maintain a program. All right, next topic. What do you got? I think we can read this back to education and how we are continuing to try to strive to... <laughs> Thank you, Utah. Thank you, sweetheart. Larry, I love... Jabroni I love... I love that intro to Genius or Jabroni. It just takes too long. It just takes a little too long. I love it, though. I don't know what you could do, but maybe think about just pepping that up a tad. All right, Genius or Jabroni, what do we got, Larry? Oh, we got my guy, David F. Letterman. Who has got, by the way, Letterman was my, was a hero of mine. Now he's just, a, he's just a salty old codger who's not even funny anymore at all. I don't know if you watched that interview show that Letterman did for a while. Not good. Not good. He's too, he's too, it's kind of like Seinfeld. Seinfeld's gotten really super self serious as he's aged. And they're all, all the, they're always on these interviews and it's like, you guys are, you guys aren't even, comedians anymore. You're not even trying to be funny. You're just, you know, you're very, I don't know, hard to listen to. All right, but uh, having said that, here's David Letterman talking about uh, the NFL and the, the phenomenon that's going on right now. And I'll tell you, Larry, if he's a genius or jabroni after this. Taylor Swift, I don't think in the history of show business, in the history of popular culture, we've ever witnessed anything like this. Tremendous. She fills stadiums around the world and puts on a three-hour show. Now, we live in a world now where all we hear is nonsense and ugliness. And the nonsense can't be more nonsensical. And the ugliness, God hopes it can't get any uglier. But that's all we hear. That's all we hear. So now, here's Taylor Swift, who is a glowing, bright light of goodness in the world. And she starts dating uh, Kelsey Grammer. And people... No, that's not true. What? Kelsey Grammer? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) An interesting parent. And people go crazy. And the the Kelsey Grammer people say, oh, no, no, no. Don't bother us. We're all caught up in football. We don't want Taylor in football. And the Taylor Swift people, the Swifties, are saying, oh, we don't want a footballer in here with Kelsey Grammer. And I'm saying, (laughs) and I say to both camps, this is such a lovely thing. Shut up. I like Letterman still. I thought that was the Kelsey Grammer thing was funny. 
Here's what I'll say about Kel- so there's there's a betting line in Canadian sports books about if Kelsey will propose to Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl, and it started out the line was like negative two fifty that he will, and then the line shifted a ton that you know against that. But um, here's what I would say: these people thinking about proposing at public sporting events, it's unethical to do that. I know you want the attention and you want the jumbotron and you want the crowd to be cheering and you imagine that your girlfriend is going to be just crying and how much she's going to like it. It's unethical because it's putting a mountain of pressure on your girlfriend who, who doesn't like you to say yes to your stupid proposal. And then later she has to come to you and said, look, there were 50,000 people there. Of course I had to say yes. I don't want to marry you. What are you, insane? So I know that Taylor Swift apparently likes Travis Kelsey, but don't do that. That You can't do the public proposal. That's cheating. Do it privately so she can say no privately. Give her the option. You see what I'm saying, Lawrence? Yes. Like I give a crap what you think. All right, what's the next uh, next topic? Hey, we are. Oh. There's a white man talking. Social justice. Like somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's Stephen A. Smith. Okay, so Stephen A. is being uh, hammered because when Embiid scored 70 points, he said, "This dude's phenomenal. He's arguably the best big man in the game." He sent the message that he was going for the championship tonight, and then. <laughs> After Luca scored 73, Siete Se Trace, here's what uh, Stephen A. Smith had to say about that. Mike, let's not go overboard with this. The fans want this? No, the league wanted it. The league wanted the it. League want? well, they say it's because of the fans. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm saying the fans don't want guys getting mugged and no fouls getting caught. Right. Okay. But the fans <laughs> didn't want what we saw last night in Atlanta. Did you see that? Are you sure? I mean, that was a layup. That was just listen. That was a it was just, like the All Star game. The Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks. No wonder why y'all stink. Did you see how they played defense last night? Me I mean, this is not. This is not Joel and B who played Billy Ball because you know what? You have a thin Victor Wimbignano on you. We understand that. We expect that. This is not a situation where Carl Anthony Towns dropped 58 in the first three quarters and then disappeared with the APB out for him in the fourth quarter and all of this other stuff. But the 58 points he scored in those first three quarters, a lot of those points, he was being challenged. This is not that. What transpired last night in Atlanta was disgraceful. It made me... All right, so first of all, I like Stephen A. Smith. I couldn't, when his radio show was on in Southern Utah, I couldn't listen to it for very long. And I understand that people don't like Stephen A. because I think people look at Stephen A. like people look at a comedian who has to say the F word a lot. Is It's a crutch. And so Stephen A. is using the screaming as a crutch because he might not have that much to say or that much insightfulness to say as I'm as I'm struggling to say something he might not have anything to say so he screams it and that's that's how he gets his attention he's made a billion dollars with that shtick which I think is there's something to that but the the problem is people saying that oh this is he's he's racist because he's he likes Embiid stuff but he doesn't like when Luca does the exact same thing 
And I'm saying, don't play that crap. Not in the sport hole, Larry. Don't do the racial thing. Whether it's one way or the other, you can't play that card. Anytime a white guy does anything in the NBA, I'm amazed by it. Does that mean I'm racist? The two best players in the NBA right now are Jokic and Embiid. And third's probably Luka. That's 66% white people. It's amazing. So, and secondly, that's not even what Stephen A. Smith is talking about. He's saying Atlanta didn't play any defense on Luka. And um, whoever the heck Embiid was playing against did play a little bit of defense. And whoever, you know, Carl Anthony Towns was playing against when he scored 60-something or whatever he scored, they were at least challenging the shots. That's what he said. And the insert this thing about, oh, it's a racial thing and he's right. That's don't do that crap. Soapbox, Larry. All right. Next topic. No hitter. If you have a sombrero, throw it to the sky. This day in sports. And now the crowd on their feet. The warmups are coming off. Magic Johnson returns wow. to the NBA. January 30th, 1996. Irvin. Magic Johnson. Came back to the NBA. I have almost zero memory of this happening. Because I think he came back and they sucked. But he goes away in 92. Everybody thinks he's going to die because he's got HIV. Um, and he comes back four years. Four years later, he comes back and plays. And um, I have no memory of it. I have a memory of him at the All Star game making that long shot. I don't even remember when that was. Was that wasn't that ninety two? I don't know. But I think in NBA history, that is a. Um, blind spot that 96 comeback season for magic and then he coached and that was bad and then he was in the front office and that was bad and then he had that talk show and that was bad and then he did color commentary and that was bad But I love Magic, and I love that he bought the Commanders, right? Yes. And he bought a bunch of other teams. And he's he's like a multi-billionaire. So good for Magic. I forgot about the 96 thing. We got to look up his stats. I think that was the Nick Van Van Exel era of the Lakers uh, when, uh, when Magic came back. Did he play the next year? I don't remember. Who cares? Next, uh, or I guess we're done. We'll be back. Thanks for being with us in this porthole.